Hey guys, welcome to my podcast. I'm Andy Eldon and I'm here to talk about Greek theater and how it's different from theater today. So when we think of theater, we think of actors, plays, and sets, right? And obviously, probably so much more. But back in the day, theater was more simple because there was not a lot of work that was put into it as we have it today. By that, I mean like, There was like probably five or six people working on this play, right? And they were, each of them were in charge of the same job. You know, they were in charge of makeup. They were in charge of making their costumes. They were in charge of making sure everyone was at the right place at the right time. They were in charge to make sure that they were doing the right thing in the play. But now... We have different types of people to make sure the play or the show runs smoothly. We have like a stage manager. We have the director, obviously. We have costume designers, makeup artists, the set designer, the lighting people. You know, we have all these different people to form a show. I'm not saying like back then, like it was inspired. Like they, of course, figured out, oh, we need this and that, you know, to build a show but Greek theater you know like it manifests and grew and formed the theater we have today so like I said theater was considered the golden age of theater it was in the fifth century in Athens Greece in the city they had achievements in politics philosophy science and art they became to be known as the western theater um, they formed these two cultures, which were, again, I am sorry if, disclaimer, I'm sorry if, you know, I pronounced these names wrong. Um, it's the Minionians, I believe. They were from the 200, 700, 2700 to 14,050 BCE. And they developed on an island in a small city of Crete, and it was known as the development of religion, construction, they formed palaces, and they used this column of architecture, and Oregon innovations, the other culture they had was the my Mykenians, and they were in the form of 16,000 to 11,000 BCE, and they were known for a city. In the southwest. Um, they were known for the development of architecture and pottery and comrades. Before we get into a little more of comparing the two, of comparing the two, um, let's talk about how Athens was considered as an independent city-state. Like, they probably were because, like, the things, like I said, they had achievements in like politics philosophy science and art like that probably like made them such a great independent city and then like grew as they kept developing different things and discovering new things so by all means they probably were a great independent city state um they had an idea of forming a golden age where it was like their highest peak and then they had this other peak that they discovered which was the classical period. I feel like they were both similar, but more was more of like 
trying to get modernized a little bit. Like, maybe, like, they, like, modernized, like, before the golden age was, like, their age of, like, peaking into the world of theater. And then their classical period was, like, okay, so, like, now we've reached that golden period. And now let's, like, bring in some classics into it. Like, let's get more into the stories, more into, like, forming a story, you know. They had huge advancements in their democracy, like, I said before, like, huge democracy. Then later on, they had these philosophers, like, um, Socrates, Plateau, and Harry Dotes, and they basically had advancements in science and art. So, like, a few of these amazing playwrights, um, Curly's, he was the first to develop a drama into a song and dance number. His plays basically focused on, like, noble families, you know, like, the rich people, that noble family by me is, like, the rich people today. Um, he won dramas and he won prizes for dramas. Like he won dramas. Sorry, I mean, he met, I mean, that he won prizes for dramas, you know? And he used chorus people or like extras, what we call them today, as a big part of his show. He wanted everyone to be involved, of course. Another philosopher, Scolis, he was in this era of the 496 BCE. And he introduces his characters and the information to build a climax. So what I like got from this and what I read, um, he basically introduces his characters super well. That it helps him build the climax for the story by using these characters that he built, you know. Um, he basically makes the character up and he just like puts all this great character detail and character development into it that it helps him lead this character. So like an example probably would have been like a prince, right? And he is charming, he's tall, he's all these great characteristics, but something that happens, like he has a huge secret and that's the climax. He's the character like Skolas, not character like school is he's basically building this character like the prince you know his secret's about to come out and it's building on because he's all these charming things but he has a secret you know so he's like trying to build to that secret and a lot of people really enjoyed how he built the show with his characters and his climax Lee going on from there he basically really focused on each individual character that he made um, people admired his poetry because they said it was beauty and it was lucid. Throughout the years, he also acted throughout his plays. He acted in his early dramas and then later on he decided to like stop and he began to playwright more and write more plays. Fun fact is that he wrote 130, 120 plays and only seven of them were complete tragedies. Another philosopher was Euripides. He was in 480 
BCE, and he was considered most of, like, the modern type of guy. Um, he behaved, uh, he betrayed his people as everyday life type people. Like, he didn't want his place to be based on, you know, the nobles or the congressmen or some deep level like that. He basically wanted to develop a stronger meaning. He wanted the people to see how everything is similar to life as today. He wanted to focus on like the townspeople and their stories, you know, nothing like, oh, the nobles, you know, this and like he was tired of that story, you know, he wanted to make a new story. And he did that. And they were really focused on a more of a tragedy level than any other. But there was one thing people didn't like about it is that his plots were very weak. He only had 18 plays that existed and probably had 90 more that were never shown to the public. And he basically portrayed the gods as they were human. So if he did a play on gods, he twisted the story a little bit and portrayed them as human people. So going on from how they did all this, they had, of course, six plots. And they were called the six elements of drama. And there's the plot, the characters, the thought of theme, language, music, and spectacle. Each of every, each and every one of them did all six elements. Some of them did all of them. Some of them did very few of them. And it just build the story as it kept going. And a lot of directors now, they use the plot, the characters, the other theme, language, music, and spectacles, like the viewing of the story. Like, what do we see? You know, so it's differ from how they do it of course now and build it throughout the story so before we continue on um let's thank our sources um let's thank our sources at birchdrama.com again birchdrama.com and if you want to look up the website it's https dot slash slash B-U-R-T-S-D-R-A-M-A dot com slash 2016 slash 07 slash 04 slash 20 dash facts dash about dot dash not dot Greek dash theater slash dot com. So back into what we were talking about. The ancient Greek drama is a theatrical culture that flourished in ancient Greece, you know, this was the big thing that they loved doing. People came out to, in the town to see these plays come to life. And people came out to enjoy them, you know, on a Friday night. It was basically like their movie theater that we have today or their outlet of fun. They had this thing called the Athens Drama Festival, which was originated from a great dystopia I mean, Dynastia, a festival where people would take part in performances and explore great issues in their society. So basically, it's like any type of festival that we have today. And 
it basically brought people together and I know for me and probably for other people, theater brings us together. It shows us a whole new light, a whole new world of people and characters and a whole new adventure that you could probably never see from from like I don't know how to put it but like from like an aspect that you wouldn't be part of it's just in your imagination you know then the um, the earliest tragedies that still survive is a Curly's his tragedies were just so good that people love them and they enjoy them and it dates back from like 472 you know and people just loved how he used the nobles and music and dance and song to put into the story people like loved it um there's festivals were attended by Athenian citizens, men as women, women as well as men, and visitors throughout Greece came to see these plays and attend these festivals. Um, the performances were considered in a large semicircular horseshoe where they performed, and they mainly performed in open air. The semicircular shape with rows for tired stones sitting around it. That's basically how people attended the show and how they watched it because it was considered an arc. So they had like a long, it was like a like a hole type thing, you know. It was like kind of considered like a hole, and you know it was like a long, going down so like people could see from up and down, you know. So it was like a circle and the echo rised, which made the sound of um amplifying the sound only very important visitors could sit in the front like very important visitors like how can I pronounce like very important visitors like I mean like probably like the rich people of the society of the country city could sit in the front but if we think about it today really Anybody could sit in the front row. If you have the money, of course. Like, if you go to Broadway in New York City and you want to go see, for example, let's say you want to go see Hamilton and what's in the front row or the third row or second row, you have to pay for the role at the ticket booth. Or you could buy your tickets online. It's first come, first serve type thing. But back then, it was only the important people who could sit in the front seats. Greek plays were either comedies or tragedies and tragedies were the most popular because they tend to be current and about everyday life but as we go further and further into today's modern theater today's theater we have comedies we have tragedies we have historical ones like in early historical ones like I mean we have comedies, we have dramas, like dramas because there's a tragedy. We have comedies, we have dramas, we have love stories, we have we have all these different types of genres. Now it was just like two comedies and tragedies. Don't get me wrong, they're amazing. 
I like a good comedy, and I like a new, like a really good tragedy. So yeah. Also, the drama mask, which we have, you know, as we see, were associated with a subject to originate the form of Greek theater in the stand of comedy and tragedy. I didn't know that, and that's like it's a really cool fact because, like, I mean. It makes sense, like, the faces, obviously, in, like, the pictures, like, you know, one's, like, happy, which is, like, a comedy because it's hilarious, and the tragedy is, like, sad and dull, which is, like, think about it, I, like, I knew what it was, but, like, I didn't know where it originated from, and I think that's pretty cool, how the Greeks, like, discovered this form of mass shape, although the comedy is, like, a happy, funny story, like, it's laughing, so it's, like, the mass is laughing. And then, oh, what tragedy. It's like sad and revenge and anger, you know, and it's sad, but angry. And again, like I said, some of the most famous playwrights include Achilles, Scolus, and Eperides. Eperides was the only one who wrote tragedies. All actors were men. Okay. So, back then, all actors were men, which I kind of think is kind of cool. But then again, I feel like we need some woman empowerment, some woman feelings, you know? Because, I mean, a man could play all those feelings, obviously. But let's say if, like, the character in the play was pregnant, right? Okay, think about it. And the loss of a child. I mean, a man could play all of that, obviously. I'm not saying he can't. But, I mean, a woman has that emotional feel and connection to losing a child or going through something painful, you know? I mean, I'm not saying a man can't do it, but, I mean, it would have been amazing back then to have, like, a woman play such a dramatic feel and role but as time went on I guess they started adding not acting adding women into their shows you know also um interesting fact that I've known is that some women pretended to be men to be in the show so they cut their hair and auditioned and not auditioned like try to be in the play so they could get money so they'll support their families. Um, instead of one actor telling a story, they had a group of actors known as chorus that worked together. That's similar to what we have today, but instead it's not just one actor, there's multiple actors in multiple roles that tell the story. And of course we have our extras who basically, you know, help tell the story. This was actually something I just learned, and I think it's really bad, but again, it's surprisingly interesting, is that the audience would throw food and stones if they thought the actors weren't good enough, and I mean, that is kind of cool. They probably worked super hard on it, and I'm probably thinking it was probably like a quick run through. They didn't have time to rehearse that much. And they just went for it. 
But nowadays, if you, like, don't like the performance, I mean, you could leave. But again, that's kind of rude. But also, you could just stay through the whole performance and write a really bad, like, write a review about it on Yelp or on, like, a review site. Which may probably sound better than throwing food and stones at the actors. So, after all of this, they figured out why would they use masks to exaggerate their facial features and emotions. So they made these large masks that showed their emotions throughout this play. And then some actors wore a mask that shows bright colors meant for a funny play or the dark colors meant for a tragedy. Um, And these masks were made out of fabrics and sniffing with a little plaster to form the mold to form a mold of the facial expression they wanted to show so as i'm telling these comparisons i've realized that theater has changed tremendously throughout the years um greek theater basically gave us the form of identifying a comedy with a um, a tragedy um, gave us the form of creating costumes and makeup and giving us an idea how to amplify our voices, you know. um, Overall, if you have to ask me one of my favorite philosophers, I would probably have to say a curlief. Because of one reason, I love musical theater and he basically created the era of musical theater. You could say he basically created it. Like he added music and dance into his play. And I feel like that was the birth of musical theater. And it just builds a lot. And I just love how that turned out throughout the years. Well, that's all I got for you guys. Thank you for listening to my podcast. And yet again, if you're interested in our sources, please look up https dot slash slash birch drama dot com slash twenty sixteen slash zero seven slash zero four slash twenty dash facts dash about dash greek dash theater slash. Thank you again and have a great day.